are starting a brand new series called Belong, Seven Things That We All Have in Common. And whether you're new to church or new to the Bible, um, or maybe you've, uh, you kind of went through COVID and you're like, I'm not doing that again. I got to start my faith walk. Maybe for the first time during COVID, you started thinking about your own life and why you're here and all those crazy things that we go through when we're thinking about uh, uh, COVID and pandemics and the future and all those different things. And so what I want to show you is that the Bible actually lists these seven things that will help you grow in your faith. And they kind of build on each other. When I was in high school, uh, I started playing soccer um, long before uh, soccer was even like an American thing. So I'm old, right? And so um, did I mention I was a grandfather? I don't know if I mentioned that. Anyway, I totally, just real quick, uh, just as an aside, I totally became that dude at the store. I'm in line at the store, total stranger, and I turn around and I go, yeah, my daughter just had a baby. And they reacted exactly like you would think, like, I don't care, right? (laughs) But I didn't care that they didn't care. I was just like, well, it's your loss. You haven't met her. She's beautiful. She's amazing. Her name's Annie, by the way. Get out of here. And it's 15 items or less. You got 20. Get out of here. Right? So, but I was that, I was that guy. But anyway, uh, so I started playing soccer uh, long before it was a, a thing. And uh, as a matter of fact, I played, when I played uh, as a kid, people would actually put, the, and again, no, I mean, not, not to be offensive or anything, but they, there was a, a bumper sticker you could buy that said, soccer sucks. That, that's what it said. Because it was kind of coming in, and these are all football players and, you know, whatever, uh, baseball players, which I don't... Anyway, uh, so, uh, so that was this bumper sticker. So I'd go to soccer practice, and cars would have this thing in front of me. But my goal was to be a professional soccer player. Okay, now I'm laughing now, but when you're little, you don't think of that. Like you tell kids you can be an astronaut when you know they can't be an astronaut, right? They're not going to be president of the United States. Anyway, um, that's what you tell your grandkids. Anyway, uh, so, uh, so I, I wanted to become a professional soccer player. So I played soccer. I played in high school, and um, uh, I wanted to play for this one school that was second in the country. Not D1, but NAIA, Westmont College. And so that's the school I wanted to play for. And so we called up the coach. My coach made an appointment with that coach, said we have a defender that you might, you might want be interested in to play soccer on your team. And uh, so he came down and he watched me play. And I actually played pretty well. And so when I got the letter from Westmont, I knew exactly what it said. It said, welcome. We're glad you're here. Um, what, what, you know, where would you like to play? Uh, until I opened it and read it, and it said, nah, you can't, you're not, you, you, didn't, you didn't make it, right? I'm like, that's stupid. So I decided to walk on. So I made it into Westmont College. I walked on. And within one second, we got there long before everybody, because soccer season started before, before school, essentially. And so only the soccer team was on campus, and they had their own dorm, and I came in the lobby, and everybody was kicking a soccer ball around, and I realized, I don't belong here. <laughs> they were way better than me. And by way better, I mean substantially better. Like, they were really great. And I didn't belong. 
And no matter, I realized at that moment, no matter what I did from then on, I was never going to belong. And so uh, I went through the whole season because my dad taught me once you start something, don't quit it. Um, that's not true, by the way. I should have quit way earlier. Anyway, uh, I stuck through the whole season. And uh, he, at the end of the season, I said, hey, coach, you know, I'm not coming back uh, to soccer. You know? And he said, no, if you work really hard, you'll be a starter, at least by your senior year. <laughs> okay, right? And I, I'm like, I'm only coming here for four years. He's like, oh, then no, you'll never be a starter. But... Uh, and so it was like kind of an end of an era. Now, you say, where, where are you going with that? Here, here's where I'm going. For some of you, when we start talking about Christianity, when we start talking about prayer and reading your Bible, and we start talking about that kind of stuff and the thought about um, having to share your faith maybe or whatever, you are like, I don't belong here. You might be new this morning. You might be watching online for just the very first time. And you're just dipping your toes in and you're saying, I don't belong here. This isn't me. I'm here to tell you, yes, you do. And you can be a starter tomorrow. <laughs> okay? You don't have to wait until you get to be a certain spot. Oh, if I just get over this one sin then I'll be good enough to be able to be a Christian. Okay, just spoiler alert, you're not good enough to be a Christian. That's why we celebrate Jesus, right? Because while we were yet sinners, while we were like just into ourselves, Christ died for us. And so what we're going to be talking about is something the Apostle Peter talked about. We're going to be in 2 Peter for the next seven weeks. And we're going to be, this is just the intro, and we're going to be talking about the seven things, kind of these seven steps that build on each other that allow you to participate in what's going on as a follower of Jesus. Now, we fast forward from my uh, freshman year in college where my soccer career died, okay? It's died. There's a little casket on campus. I won't get into all of it, but... Um, that's where it died. And then it was resurrected when my daughter, Audrey, turned six years old, and you, she could play soccer at six years old. And so I'm like, sweet, we'll play soccer, you know, I'll get them into a soccer team. So we got her into a soccer team, and oh my gosh, the pigtails, and ribbons and orange slices and they're running all around they're going crazy they're going crazy and so it turns out that they need coaches right and so I'm like I couldn't even make an NAIA school so I'm not ready to be a coach see I didn't realize that none of those coaches knew what they were doing right okay so so I become a soccer coach and my mentality never changed. My mentality when I first started was the same mentality as I had when I was playing on the thing. You win at all costs. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to win. There's winners and there's losers, okay? So you, can, you, you should be happy that I wasn't around your six-year-old six little girl. Anyway, so we start playing. And it took me one year to realize, hey, that's a dumb goal <laughs> with little kids. Like, what if, 
What if we took AYSO's thing that everybody plays and we actually did that instead? So I changed my whole coach. I ended up coaching for 14 seasons and uh, I changed my entire, my entire idea of what it means to coach. It was this. Try to make it as fun as you possibly can for these kids. And then let little successes be your big victory. So we had this one girl. She couldn't kick with her left leg. And if you've played soccer at all, your one leg is dominant typically. And so you're scared of using this non-dominant leg. You're, in my case, my left leg. Well, no, whatever. If you're a freak and you're left-handed like my daughter... Welcome to the circus. But anyway, uh, if you're normal and you have like right, and you're right, right-handed, uh, it's always everything with your left is hard, right? And so she said, "I can't, I can't kick with my left foot." And my goal, no one knew this, because uh, we always lost our first game. We always lost our first game because everybody plays and everybody's supposed to have fun, whereas the other teams they just pick their best person and have them score other goals, and it works great the first week. Then you just get crushed after that. So that's what we did. And so we go through the whole entire season, and I'm working with her in her left leg. I'm telling her, listen, don't think of your left leg like your right leg. Your right leg can do all sorts of great things. Let it kick very far. Your job is to see how far your left leg kicks, and then just beat it next week. Just beat your left leg. If you can kick it to that thing, you kick it to that thing, and then maybe next week you can kick a little farther. Next thing you can kick it farther. Now, so, final game of the season. And... Uh, we're playing this team, and I told her, I just want you to play with your left foot. I don't want you to play with your right foot. And she's like, I can't do it. She's been working on her left leg the whole time. She scored two goals with her left foot that game, the final, final game in the, in, in the season. Now, why is that? Because she just built on little things one after the other. If you come into church and you're new to Christianity, and you see someone kicking with their right leg, that doesn't mean you can't play. Everybody plays. If you come in, and you're new to the Bible, and you're like, I don't even know. I opened that thing up. Uh, I fell asleep by Leviticus. Hey, that's where I fall asleep too, okay? So no, <laughs> everybody plays. Leviticus is a tough one. If you get through Leviticus, you're in good shape. Okay, so, and so maybe that's your, been your experience, what we're going to see in the list over the next week, these seven things, is that as we keep taking step after step after step, and we build, and we build, and we build, before long, you're going to look back, and you're going to say, remember when I struggled with that? And your heavenly father, who is your coach, is going to go, I knew you could do it. We just had to get you out on the field. We just had to get you trying. We just had to get you believing that you don't have to be as great as everybody else in order to experience, and we're going to see it in a little bit, what it means to walk this earth like Jesus walked this earth. You say, wow, man, Jesus. I can't be like Jesus. That's what he calls you to be like, and you can. So let's look at it. We're looking at 1 Peter, uh, I mean 2 Peter. Peter wrote a letter in Called, we call First Peter. He might have written some other ones. We just don't have them. But we have First and Second Peter. We believe those letters were written to churches and those words were inspired by God himself. And so that we can take those very words from Second Peter that he wrote to a church, apply them to our lives and experience all that God would have us experience. 
And so um, uh, we're going to end up looking at 2 Peter, uh, a few verses. We're going to skip the list because there's a list in there. You can cheat if you want, if you have your phone out and you want to look at the list. You can, but just pretend that you're taking notes. It'll make me feel better. Um, and so we're going to skip the list, and then we're going to look. So we're going to look at the beginning and the end of this section, and then over the next seven weeks, we're going to go through this list and see what God would have for us. Now, when you, when basically, Second Peter, the first verse is just, hey, it's Pete. Okay, that's all it says. So I didn't even put it in there. But here's what he says. And this is the vision I want you to have for your walk with Jesus. And again, you say, John, I just started. I don't even know if I'm ready to follow the Bible. Fair enough. Totally fair enough. But this is the vision that God has for you. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. This is not a results-based thing. Grace and peace will come to you when you've arrived. He's talking to people that might have, just like you, might have just said over the last week, you know what? I need to get back to church. You know what? I need to rethink this idea of having a relationship with God. You know what he would say to you? Great. Grace and peace. Be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. Now, so just so we understand how this process is going to work and how we're going to get through the list, they do build on each other, these different things. And so what we always want to keep in mind as we go through the next few weeks is that all of this is going to be seeped in the knowledge of God and of Jesus. So there are going to be things you want to learn. So for example, our, the, the name of the series is called Belong. Our tagline for Living Spring is belong, believe, and be changed, okay? Life change is the ultimate goal. That's the ultimate thing, that we become more and more like Jesus. But you can belong before you believe any of this. But I'm going to try to get you to believe some things. Because I believe that grace and peace come in abundance the more we know the word of God and the more we apply it to our lives, that's how a relationship with Jesus works. We don't just get knowledge because the knowledge gives us grace and peace. Once we get enough knowledge, then we'll have grace and peace in abundance. No, no, no. It's the process of taking knowledge and applying it to our lives that gives us grace and peace. You could put this with any other area of your life that's healthy. Right? Maybe you grew up in a family where they didn't teach you anything about finances. That's what credit cards are for. Okay, maybe, you know. And so, you know, as long as we, we had a thing in our house when my kids went to school, we called the credit card magic plastic. Because they just thought you just take magic plastic out and like magic, things appear. Okay, they didn't realize that behind magic plastic was a magic dad and mom who are paying this off every single month. Just getting the knowledge isn't enough. We have to apply it. And so once you start applying financial principles to your life, your finances get better, right? Once you start applying health knowledge to your life, your health gets better, right? Not just knowing, it's applying. 
And so while you can belong here, I want you to believe some things. I want you to believe that the word of God is actually the word of God. That applied to your life can change your life. Becoming more like Jesus is what you were designed for. I want you to believe all those things. I want you to believe, as hard as it is to believe and to sound, uh, is that we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. And that Jesus came to die for those sins, to forgive us our sins, and then to set us on course for eternity. So, how does this happen? Through knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, here's the promise that you have. Because whether or not you know how to use your left foot, you have one. <laughs> okay? It's just a matter of getting those muscles ready to use it. Now listen to what the Bible says. His divine power has given us everything we need. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through what again? Our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You have everything you need. You say, John, it was yesterday I accepted Jesus into my heart and I said, I want to follow you forever and this is my first day. Ah, I have some things for you. Really great things. Everything. <laughs> you have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness. To live a godly life. It's just a matter of accessing it. So I, uh, I, I, I mentioned last week I'm building, building these cabinet doors. I have to build these cabinet doors. And uh, I love them, actually. I've fallen, I hug them. I touch them. It's like I've created them. I feel attached to them. Uh, and so uh, I was kind of explaining to someone how they were made, and they were like, that's incredible, like, that you can do that. But I didn't do anything. Like, literally, the tools did everything. They did everything. It's like, oh, you're being modest. No, kind of they did everything. All I had to do is measure out and like use a chop saw and then do this thing and basically glue it all together. They're just glued together with love, okay? <laughs> and there they are. But all those tools that I have in my garage don't do me any good if I don't use them. You can only use the tools you have. I know that there's a father in this congregation right now whose wife won't let him get a table saw. The Lord just said, you should get a table saw. <laughs> you can't use the tools you don't have. Okay, he knows who it is. We've been given everything. Now comes the grace and peace in abundance as we walk, as we step into our reality. As we step into going, it doesn't have to be like it was yesterday. And this list that we're going to get into are these incremental steps. He's given us everything we need for a godly life. Isn't that exciting? And listen, I know for some of you, you're like, John, if you had seen my week this week, I don't think I'd been given anything for a godly life. You have. You just maybe didn't employ them. Maybe you didn't have someone who's gone before you to show you how to use them. Like I did. Thank you, YouTube, for my shaker doors. I just watched YouTube videos. That's what small groups are, essentially. You just sit with a group of other Christians, and if they're healthy, they'll go, oh, I remember when I was at your stage. Oh, yeah, you can have grace and peace in abundance, even though it's your first week 
Everybody plays. You can play. It's just a matter of, here's what I had to do. Here's what I had to do. You talk to a seasoned saint, you know, someone who's been a Christian for a long, long time. And if they're healthy, again, that's the key. If they're healthy, they'll go, oh, I struggled with that. Here's, here's what I, I, no judgment, here's what we do. But you want to be able to exercise that because here's what you're going to be able to build in your life when you can. He's given us everything we need pertaining to uh, uh, everything for a godly life uh, through our knowledge of him. Now check this out, this right. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Through these things that he's given us, that we have everything we need for life and godliness. If you, that's a different translation, but it's the same thing. For a godly life. He's given us all these things through his great and precious promises. Well, what are his great and precious promises? You know most of them probably. I can step onto the field, okay, if we're going back to my soccer analogy, knowing that my coach has my back, that my coach isn't going to yell at me and go, you don't know what you're doing. That my coach is going to look and say, hey, during practice, I saw you in the game. This is how you approach the ball. You want to turn your hips this way, whatever. What, what promise do we have from God? I'll never leave you or forsake you. You step into his, you step into that promise? Honestly, what, you can play anywhere. You have a coach, you have a heavenly father that watches you play and goes, okay, hey, here's what we're going to do next time. Man, that's a great promise. You know, he has a promise for you, and he knows the plans he has for you. Not plans of calamity, but to give you a future and a hope. That's a promise. You step into that I've been given all things uh, for a godly life. You step onto that promise that the plans he has for me are for, not for calamity, but to give me a future and a hope. Whew, wow. Oh, you know what a promise he has for you? He has a promise that says, um, vengeance is mine. In other words, you don't need to exact justice. I'll take care of it. Now, can you imagine living your life Knowing I don't, I've been, the pressure has been taken off of me that I have to make everything right, that I have to get what I deserve. That's incredible to me. That's a promise that he has for you. He has a promise that he wants to spend eternity with you. <laughs> like actual eternity. Like, I don't know about you. I can't think about it too long. My head explodes, right? But that's what you were created for. You were created for a relationship with him. <gasps> he has a promise for you that no matter what you did this week, no matter where you've fallen, that he has a vision for your life that doesn't include that, and he forgives you for it. It's a promise. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises. Everybody can play everybody's welcome onto the field. Do some people kick the ball farther? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that through them, okay, through those great promises that we talked about, the fact that you're forgiven, the fact that he'll never leave you or forsake you, the fact that he has a life for you, that he's carved out for you, that gives you a future and a hope. Through them, you may, okay, check this out, participate. 
you can participate. You say, John, I'm going to show you a video of my 20s, which basically said I'm not allowed to participate in anything anymore. I understand that. I understand that. I understand mistakes were made. It's just not, it's just a bad theology. Let me, let me say this. If you believe that you're not worthy of following Jesus and that it's going to take some steps and you're going to fall back and you're going to move forward and you're going to fall back and you're going to move forward, you have bad theology. If you don't think you're worthy, your theology is bad, right? Trust me, I went to seminary. It took me nine years, but I was able to make it through. You can participate in the divine nature. You're like, no way. You should have seen. You know, one of the things where I don't participate in the divine nature or where my left leg is a little weak uh, is now that COVID is over or whatever, kind of over. I don't know what it is, but it's not as much. Um, there's more people on the freeway. Okay. I do not participate in the divine nature <laughs> on the freeway. I just don't. It's my left leg is all atrophied and nasty. My right leg, though, burn, it's ready to go. Right? But the Lord doesn't leave me there. He doesn't say, hey, dude, you're impatient. You can't play. He says, you're impatient. Let's work on that. Let's work on your expectations. Let's work on how you view the world. Let's view the fact that you're kind of entitled, aren't you? Like, yes. The divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. All this is saying is this. A life focused on you is torture. A life focused on you, if you focusing on you, is a nightmare. That's the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I want my way. I deserve. I get this. Everything revolves around me. That is not the divine nature. What does it say in Philippians? It says this. That although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God, something to be held onto, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant. That's the divine nature. And guess what? We're going to find out in the next seven weeks. You can participate. You can participate. Brand new, right out of the box. Shiny new Christian toy. We open you up and we go, wow, there you are. And you're like, I've never done this before. You can participate. Everybody plays. So that through him you may participate in the, uh, uh, in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world uh, caused by evil desires. Then it goes on. It says this. For this very reason, for the very reason that we're talking about participating in a divine nature, for the very reason that we're talking about your life, for the very reason we're talking about how you were created and why you were created, make every effort. You say, well, wait a minute. Well, hold on. You told me just a little while ago that I could participate. That it didn't matter how weak my legs were. It didn't matter by anything. But... I can participate. Absolutely. Absolutely you can participate. But if you have a good coach or a good heavenly father, father, they're going to say, oh, it's way more fun when you're better at this. 
It's way more fun. Soccer is way more fun when you know how to kick a ball. Soccer is way more fun when you know how to do a bicycle kick and all that kind of stuff. Soccer becomes way more fun. You're not more qualified. You're not more this or that, but it just becomes more fun. So make every effort. And this make every effort, we're going to see this every single week. I'm going to be pounding away at this, that you make every effort. You say, but I thought I was saved by grace. You are. Remember what we talked about in Hebrews? For good works. Okay, so there's something that happens to add to your faith. Now, that's where the list starts, to add to your faith, goodness, and then it goes on and on and on and on. It ends with love, spoiler alert, okay? That's it. Now watch what it says at the end of the list. This is incredible. This is incredible. For, and this is why we're doing the series. If you possess these qualities, okay, we're going to look at the seven of them. If you possess them, which you do, right, because he's already given you everything pertaining to life and godliness, right? You got them. If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, you're beginning to understand how these tools work in your relationship with Jesus, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Ineffective, the actual like, Greek word for this, is unemployed. I'm not kidding. Now, I'm not saying that it, it, it has a bunch of other things like lazy and all that kind of stuff. But, but the idea of it is not that you're just lazy. And again, if you're unemployed, I know you're not lazy. But it's the idea of I just got nothing to do. Like I raised my hand, I accepted Jesus, I got out of hell, good for you, made it to heaven, good, and now I'm just sitting around. No, 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 no. If you possess these seven qualities that we're going to go through over the next seven, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm selling sham wow. If you, if you apply these seven principles, I guarantee you, uh, I'm not. But they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Well, that's, that's, I don't want a life of being ineffective or unproductive. And again, uh-oh, we're back to that word again, Knowledge. We're going to have to look through some things in the Word of God, see how we apply them, see how they affect us of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, are these qualities in increasing measure? Okay, so just so not to beat a dead horse, but you can measure them. The things that we're looking at, you can actually measure. They don't have an app for your Apple Watch yet. I'm working on it. Uh, but you can measure them. You say, how in the world do we measure them? Well, you, we measure them by looking at the full word of God. So this is what we're looking at in 2 Peter is a list. There's another list in Galatians that you guys probably all know. Even if you're new to the word of God, you probably have heard this before. It's the fruit of the spirit. And so if love is not increasing, it's just a little indicator light on your car. If joy is not increasing, then it's just something to look back. Oh, okay, I have this deficiency. Or peace, or patience, or kindness, or goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If those things aren't increasing, if there's no, then, then it's an indicator. I had a car one time. Uh, the, the engine light came on. I didn't know anything about cars. I, my brother gave me the car when I went off to college to start my professional soccer career. Anyway, uh, so um, I didn't know anything about cars, but the light came on and it bothered me, so I, I put electrical tape over the light. <laughs> so it wouldn't bother me anymore. 
Okay, come to find out that's frowned upon when you're trying to take care of a car, right? But these things, you, when the engine light comes on, it's a good thing. You say, oh my goodness, I have no joy. What is that? I've been given these great and precious promises. I've been given everything I need for life and godliness and I don't have joy. There must be something wrong with what I'm doing. Your heavenly father says, I'm glad you asked. There is. And let's work on it. He doesn't say disqualified. Everyone can participate in the divine nature. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. So he talks about if you got them and they're increasing, you're not unproductive or ineffective. You're employed. You're fully employed. Like you're ready to go in any situation. Small or large, what we would call in our Western culture, small or large. In God's economy, there's no such thing. Watch what happens when we don't employ them. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted. In other words, they're just focused on the thing right in front of them. We all get that way. Whether it's politics or we're not getting our way. Or what if they increase the gas tax? We're right up here. It's, oh my gosh, they stole my joy. I have no gas tax. There's too much gas tax. Whatever. That's not... That's not you're nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Peter goes all the way back to the beginning of when you first stepped on the field. And he said, Lord Jesus, my life is not working for me. I need a Savior. And maybe your prayer was something like mine. I don't even know what that means right now. I just need to know that I'm on the right path. And I'm here to tell you that you are. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. One last verse as Val comes back up. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Over the next seven weeks, my hope is that we talk about these seven things so that you get to a place in the next seven weeks. Well, maybe you're not perfect on every single one of them, right? Maybe you're not, maybe you still have this one thing that you're stumbling in, but that you'll feel like, oh, now I'm beginning to see what it looks like when we make a little bit of progress. That girl that scored both of those goals with her left foot, she's not going to be a professional soccer player. She remembers those two goals like, like she won the lottery. Your heavenly father is placing you on a journey. It starts with this acceptance of who Jesus is. That, that corruption of evil desires, those evil desires are just anything where you're just like, I have to make sure that I'm okay first. That's foreign to the Bible. And maybe you take a step this morning, maybe for the first time, where you say, you know what? I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to join a new team. Just start now. What I want to do is just lead us in a prayer and if you're watching from home or you're watching this later on, it doesn't have an expiration date. And just to get to a sense of just, okay, 
let's start for these next seven weeks. And so you can pray in your chair. You can uh, pray out loud. You can pray by yourself. I have personally prayed this prayer. I joke around, I don't know, 80 times. (laughs) It's not just a one-time deal. I'm always praying this. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for making a way that isn't just on me. God, I pray you forgive me of my sins. Thank you for being the sacrifice for them. And God, fill me with your Holy Spirit as I begin this journey today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you've begun your journey with Jesus. If you've kind of fallen off to the side and you're like, "Eh, I don't know, and you're stepping back on, we're glad you're back. We're glad you're back. We're going to end with one final worship song. And um, what what I'd ask you to do during this time, we normally have a time of reflection, but normally what, uh, what we do is just kind of listen. You know, you can hear the Holy Spirit speak to you. It doesn't just take a pastor to do that. And so we just take this time and you can sing and participate in the song or what have you, or you can just go, Lord, tell me what's going on. And he might point something out, like, hey, you can't kick with your left foot worth a darn. We're going to work on that. Maybe you've looked at the list and you see one, you're like, I'm not coming that week. Okay. Maybe he wants to talk to you about that. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you're on this journey with us. Thank you that we can all participate in the divine nature because you have granted to us everything we need pertaining to life and godliness through these precious promises that we've had. So Lord, we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his peace, in his strength, and in his joy, and that you would experience his great and precious promises all week long. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.